the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. Call him now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 and Ask the Lawyer. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Good evening. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. Okay, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, welcome. And this show is in two parts, not equal parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, whether you're alive or gone, that's avoiding probate when you're gone, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, the second part of the show, we do interviews. We talk about politics, history, religion. Tonight, I think we're going to focus on religion and politics. We have David Limba on about his new book and Sebastian Gorka about his book. So Sebastian Gorka, we're going to be talking about world global politics. David Limbaugh, we're going to be talking about the New Testament. But in the meanwhile, if you have any questions, give us a call at the station here. Tonight I am in the station live. Last week, obviously, I wasn't. The number is 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. You can email your questions to the answer at connorsandsullivan.com. The answer at connorsandsullivan.com. Now, Beth, you have a couple of email questions. you want to read the first one? I, yes, I do. And everybody just bear with me because they're long. And I'm sorry I'm so slow. The first one, my mother's 95 years old. She lives in a two-bedroom apartment in the East 30s in Manhattan. It's a very nice place. She needs 24-hour care, which comes to over $100,000 a year. We found aides that are very good and would like to keep them. We pay them directly, no agency. We use ADT to take out payroll taxes, etc. So far, we've paid for her care out of her retirement accounts, but she only has about a year to a year and a half after which her accounts will be empty. We have avoided Medicaid and pooled income trusts because we want to use these women, her aides, and we don't want to deal with the whole bureaucratic process that limits my mother's life and funds. I'm wondering if it makes sense to get a home equity loan 
or reverse mortgage if we run out of money. Her apartment is probably worth a lot. What are the advantages and the disadvantages of those? And are are we wrong about the pooled trusts? Thank you, Leon. I'm going to answer the, the last question first. Yes, I do think you're wrong about the pooled income trust because you have two good home attendants, I imagine, from the, the letter. So you can put her excess income into a pooled income trust, apply for community home care Medicaid, and you can hire these same two women. In a couple of weeks, they're going to be paid $15 an hour through Medicaid. You may have to, you may supplement their income a, a little bit out of the money that you're paying now, but at least you've got $15 an hour picked up, plus these people get workers' comp, the disability, um, Social Security payments are all picked up, which adds up, but it may be as much as you're paying now. It may not quite be the same, but it's going to be very close to it. And there are programs with Medicaid where you can hire your own home attendants, and you can hire these same two women. If you're using ADP, you're paying the taxes and the insurance and so forth on them anyway, so I assume they're legally authorized to work in the United States. So, yes, you can use these two women. You're going to get sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year, I would say, minimum of benefits, and that will extend mom's money for years. Now, to get a reverse mortgage, that's fine. But um, one, ordinarily, you, well, you can't get a reverse mortgage on a co-op if you, the apartment is a co-op. We didn't; The letter doesn't address whether it's a co-op or not. Um, but you can't get a reverse mortgage on a co-op. Now, there are private firms that give you the equivalent of a reverse mortgage on a co-op. In other words, you don't have to pay it back until after mom's gone. Uh, but technically, a reverse mortgage... You cannot get on a, on, a, on a co-op. And reverse mortgages, you know, listen to Frank Miller, you, you know, on our station here and, and give him a call if you have a question about a reverse mortgage. But, again, you have to have a deed, which means a condo or a house. And the idea behind a reverse mortgage, you borrow the money, you don't have to pay it back till you sell the apartment or until mom's gone, whichever is, I shouldn't say later, but usually till they both occur. And it is a way to, you know, when, when you're out of money and you want to keep mom at home, yes, I would suggest it. So reverse mortgage, figure out the closing costs, figure out how it is. But don't wait to the last minute because it, take, it could take a few months to get a reverse mortgage approved. So don't wait till mom is totally out of money. You know, I, I, would, do, I would do the pooled income trust. I would extend mom's money for, I know she's in her 90s, but I would extend it for another year or so. So this way you get at least two years of mom at home, and then you figure out what happens after that, and then maybe you get a reverse mortgage and go for another third or fourth year and, you know, see what happens. But there's no question about it. I think you should look into a pooled income trust. I mean, a lot of people don't like doing that because they're paying people off the books and they're paying people that are not legally authorized to work in the United States, which I would say for the most part, Please do not hire somebody off the books. Do not hire somebody who's legally not authorized to work in the United States. Too many bad things can happen. Uh, you don't want to get involved in lawsuits, you know, over lack of Social Security payments, things like that. You don't want to, you want to play it straight. You don't want to break the law. But there are good programs in home care Medicaid. And one of the programs that you can have, you can hire your own people. You can hire your own home attendants. Yes, they have to be legally authorized to work in the United States. Uh, can't be your spouse, but
but can be anybody else. And, you know, they have to go through just a little bit of paperwork. And once it gets started and once it gets going, the paperwork is minimal. Yeah, there's some paperwork to get things started. And unfortunately, maybe it's more difficult than some people uh, can handle. And if you want us to handle it for you, we can do that. But in the long run, it should it should pay for yourself because if you get seventy, eighty thousand dollars worth of benefits, that will extend mom's money for quite a while. And and remember, it, the the hidden costs like the the workers' comp and the disability, and the social security payments and medical, and things like that. You know, the, the salary may look like it's slightly less, but the hidden costs that get picked up could really extend mom's money. You know, for a few more years. And and that's, I think, what your goal is, to extend mom's money as far as possible and keep it home. And if you have a co-op, you're, gonna, you're not going to get a reverse mortgage. There are some private companies, not a lot, that you can talk to them about and say, you know, can I get a loan on this apartment? And it's similar to a reverse mortgage, but it's not a federally insured program. It's like a private company who takes the con- same concept. And it's going to be a little bit more expensive than the reverse mortgage. And it's going to have to be subject to approval of the co-op board. You know, whenever you own a co-op, you, you can't just do things on your own. You have to go through the board and get permission from the board as to anything that you do, including taking a loan on your apartment. So just keep that in mind. It's not as always, you know, as easy as it sounds. But in any event, I'd start working on things tomorrow because we want to extend mom's ability to stay at home for as long as possible. Because I think that that's what the major goal is of a lot of people as far as estate planning and elder law, especially elder law. Most people want to stay at home. And part of our job at Connors and Sullivan is, is go through these options. What is the best way to keep mom at home? My opinion in this case, I would do the pooled income trust. I would apply for home care Medicaid. And I would try to keep mom at home as long as possible. I guess we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Father Paul Bolecki, Capuchin friar and medical doctor, established a missionary hospital in Lebanon to provide medical care to Christian refugees. He also helps relocate them to safer areas. Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, is hosting a special fundraiser to help Father Paul and his team purchase supplies, treat their patients, and help them find safe havens. Basically, Father Paul is the last resort for these faithful Christians in the Middle East who've been forgotten by most of the world. Join us on Thursday, November 15th at the Bay Ridge Manor at 476 76th Street in Brooklyn. Meet Father Paul, who'll tell you what's really happening to Christians in the Middle East. Call Monica at 718-238-6500 to reserve your place at this important fundraising event as all of the proceeds will support Father Paul's compassionate mission. 718-238-6500. Again, that's 718-238-6500. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, November 27th at the Greenhouse Cafe, 7717 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m., then in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, at Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S, on Wednesday, November 28th at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., p.m. and 7 p.m. and finally at the Adria, 221-17 Northern Boulevard in Bayside, Queens on Friday, November 30th at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. 
can't go to any Connors and Sullivan's free seminars, then call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors and Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got a question for Mike? Call him at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Okay, well, welcome back again to, to Ask the Lawyer. And, you know, please remember that Father Paul commercial. Please remember Father Paul in your prayers. And, you know, we did a show with Father Paul uh, not that long ago, which was aired on our sister station on WMCA. And then he said, if you could spare one minute each day to say a short prayer for Christians in the Middle East. One minute each day, say a short prayer for the Christians in the Middle East. But if you want to do something else more than prayers, come out to the Bay Ridge Manor on November 15th. The Bay Ridge Manor is only two blocks from our Bay Ridge office, our main office. And it is the, the, the Bay Ridge office is the home of our military miniature collection, or at least the Ninety percent of it, which I'm getting calls from people all over the country now, including <laughs> retired retired military officers or whatever, who've heard about it either through the Reader's Digest. I don't even know how it got in the Reader's Digest, and even know the Reader's Digest was still uh, being published. Oh my God! You know, and uh, you know, or they saw it on on CBS News or, or New York One or something like that. But we do have, you know, and even if the the office is not open. In the front window on Fifth Avenue, we do have the Irish Brigade charge at Antietam. So, you know, I, I love to show off the collection. People, people in the office just treat me as an odd eccentric or something like that. So, probably. <laughs> well, you are a little bit. Yeah, and they probably treat you the same way if you said, "I want to see the toy soldiers." Of course. But I appreciate it. So, if you want to see it, I'm more than happy to show it. It's a lot of fun, everybody. You know, people, you work real hard, and it's just awfully nice to have a. A hobby that is, some of the soldiers are beautifully painted. They're beautiful. So they're little works of art, and it is a lot of fun. Anyone, anyone is welcome to come see them. All right. Now, again, Father Paul, Beth, we want everybody to come out and meet Father Paul on on, on November 15th. He's going to be, he's going to be there, and he will talk to you, and he will tell you everything about his mission. He'll tell you about the, of course, he's a doctor, so he takes care of people in the clinic. But he also has brought several families um, out of harm's way. Jordan was wonderful taking people, and the United States is now open for the families. So um, this, just to have him tell the story, are, um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what these people go through. And... Um, and when he talks about them, he says they're grateful for what they have. Um, I, you know, the I don't like to get into the politics, but we just have so many of these people in the United States right now that are are saying stupid things in the political arena, and then you have these 
wonderful people whose lives are in danger every day, and they get up in the morning and they pray and they say, thank you, Lord, for another day. Wouldn't it be nice if the people over here in the United States would do that? We just wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, for this day. Um, but he's a wonderful man. Please, if you could come and meet him, it, um, it'll it just make you feel better. just makes you feel better to see people who work hard for the right thing. And no donation is too small if you want to mail in a donation. Five bucks, fine. You know, every little bit helps. Because And, and Father Paul does not take a real salary. He has a vow of poverty. Um, he's a Capuchin friar, so he can't take any of the money himself. He has a vow of poverty. Everything he works for, and he's got, I mean, listen, if he wanted to work on the, in the private sector, he, he's got four masters, two doctorates, almost his third doctorate. He could make a fortune in the private sector, but he gives it all up for his mission, for his medical mission in Lebanon to help the Christians in the Middle East. Now, he's someone you can learn, love to learn, love, learn to love. I'm so sorry. In so many ways, just as a, a person, as a spiritual guider, I, please come see him if you can. Okay. Now, getting back to estate planning, let's hear the Kevin McCullough question of the week. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week we promise you that uh, Mr. Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan will answer one of your legal questions. Mike, this week's question comes from Dave. He said, what are my options for avoiding probate, and can a person realistically navigate the probate process all on their own? Mike Connors. Okay, well, the first part of the question is your options for avoiding probate, if you have bank accounts, if you have brokerage accounts, you have somebody else's name on the account as beneficiary or otherwise. If you have real estate, ordinarily, if you own real estate, a co-op, condo, house, you want that real estate in the trust. So, yes, you can realistically avoid probate. you just got to take care of everything. Can you navigate probate on your own? Well, it depends. If, you, you know, if you're an only child and your mother had $30,000 in the bank, I would say you probably could navigate it on your own. On the other hand, if you had 10 nephews and nieces, scattered all over the states, and you had assets that had to be collected and sold and tax returns filed on, I would say you could not navigate the probate process. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's a crazy answer, but the answer is it sense. But it, it, probate is a lot more complicated than you think. Even the simplest probate, the forms, if you're not used to them, you know, it can really throw you for a loop because, the, you, you know, the, the questions sometimes are convoluted, not direct because they're assuming that you have a certain amount of legal knowledge if you're filling out a probate petition. So the, the the bottom line answer is be prepared ahead of time, plan accordingly, and have good counsel at your side, which you can get from Connors & Sullivan. Ask Mike Connors at gmail.com. If you've got a question for him, ask Mike Connors at gmail.com or call the office and ask him there. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. All right, and you can listen to Kevin McCullough. We're on the Kevin McCullough Show answering this question each Thursday, usually about 5.15 on, on Thursday evening. You can hear Kevin McCullough on 9-7 The Answer, Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock. Of course, he has Katz and Matides with him. On Wednesday night, so he's also on from Thursday, uh, from, on Wednesday from four to five, and of course on WMCA, our sister station, you know, uh, three o'clock Monday through Friday. Beth, let's try to squeeze in that one other email question we have. Okay, this one is from Bill in Massapequa. You got to read this Mike. one quick. 
I know I'll try. I enjoy listening to your show. I have a few questions of my own. If I were to place my house in a family trust and then decide to sell my house in a few years, will this complicate the sales process in any way? What type of other assets do you advise placing in a trust? And what assets do you recommend not be put in a trust? And with respect to the $250,000 to $500,000 capital gain, capital gain exclusion on the sale of a residence, does a trust also enjoy the benefits of this exclusion? Okay, we're well, trying to get to questions. We're going to take the last question again first. The trust, ordinarily, if we're doing a, you know, what we call a premises trust in our office and never get hooked up on what we call a trust, but yes, you keep the 250 exclusion. What that means, if you sell your personal residence, the first $250,000 of capital gain is not taxed on the sale of your personal residence. Of course, if you're married, it's a $500,000 personal exclusion. So that's one. The trust keeps that. Are there major complications selling a house with a trust? No, not really. Now, at the same time, you know, it depends whether the trust is revocable or irrevocable. If we make the trust irrevocable, then, assuming you have children, one of your children would have to go to the closing and sign the papers. I don't think I would consider that, you know, a, a complication. So, you know, it's it's it, it's a little bit of paperwork, but it avoids the trust avoids probate on the assets in the trust, and it goes out tax free to the kids up to five million dollars per person in in New York City, New York State. Now, what assets you put in the trust? You start with real estate. Real estate is the the number one asset you put into a trust because it's only the only effective way to avoid probate on real estate. Then we put stocks and bonds that are appreciated in value into a trust because you've held those assets in a trust, and there are other ways to do it. Those assets, you get the stepped-up basis, capital gains are wiped out by death. We do, not, we do not put retirement assets because that would be a taxable event, so we don't put 401K, IRA, uh, 403B, other retirement plans, TDAs into a trust. We can't, and, of course, that would be a taxable event. The other thing in between are, are bonds and, and cash. If you want to protect those assets from medical bills, we might put bonds and, and cash in an irrevocable trust, but we can avoid probate on bonds and cash by just putting beneficiaries on them. And, of course, usually there's no capital gain on a bond or a uh, on cash. Obviously, there's no capital gain on cash. Bond fund may go up or down a little bit, but usually dramatic, there's no dramatic capital gains. Oh, we're running a little over, so we better take a break, and we're going to be talking to Sebastian Gorka at the end of the break. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. 
If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia once again call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement frank melia nmls number 62591 all loans provided by quantic bank nmls number 403503 welcome back to ask the lawyer with mike connors Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Our next guest is Sebastian Gorka, Fox National Security Advisor and author of the book, Why We Fight. Welcome to Connors Corner, Dr. Gorka. Thanks for having me. What's the story behind your book? Well, it's an analysis. My first book was Defeating Jihad, which looked at groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Now I do the whole picture. I look at all the threats we face, not just jihadism, but Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, and what the president's uh, doing to defeat them. And then I intersperse that with uh, stories of great American heroes going right back to the Barbary Wars, through World War II, Vietnam, and then uh, Whitaker Chambers, a real hero of the Cold War. And it's, uh, it's just meant to reinstill in us the uh, understanding that we are the greatest nation on God's earth, and the the fights that we have fought and how we need to defeat our new enemies. I like the fact that you're you're bringing up maybe almost forgotten heroes of America. Like, can you just explain briefly to the audience, Stephen Decatur, who was he? Yeah, so this is an amazing story. So Stephen Decatur was and still is the most famous, the, the, the youngest captain in the U.S. Navy. Not long after our nation was founded, we had our ships were being attacked, taken hostage, our our um, sailors were being enslaved by the states of North Africa. And President Jefferson said, enough. He helped build our first Navy. And then he deployed Stephen Decatur as a, a young officer all the way to, it's, it's that reason there's that line in the Marine Corps anthem, the shores of Tripoli. And he led a team of 20 Marines to capture or recapture one of our vessels that had been taken by the Barbary pirates, and uh, he successfully led that mission, snuck into the harbor of Tripoli, uh, snuck out again, and uh, as a result, by the time he got back home after his arduous journey, uh, the the president, the then president of the United States, made him the youngest captain in U.S. history, and the lesson there is not only bravery and heroism, but we have been at war with the jihadis from long before 9-11. We, it started almost 200 years ago. I think a lot of people don't even consider that or think about it. Of course, in America, we're not 
we're not the best at, at following history, but the Barbary Pirates, who were they? The Barbary Pirates, or the Barbary Corsairs, were uh, individuals who, who patrolled the Mediterranean. And once we became independent from the United Kingdom, we lost all the protection of the British Navy, and they decided to take our ships, to capture them, to enslave our sailors and our civilians. And these were nations that demanded from America. This is an incredible story. For the first few years of, of our existence, they demanded that America pay a tribute, like an annual ransom to these states to stop them doing further damage to our trade. And uh, eventually, uh, President Jefferson said, no, we're not going to do this anymore, and we're going to take our people back. So the Barbary Pirates can be considered to be the first ever Muslim jihadi threat group that we faced as a nation. And then your other heroes, you start to go into the 20th century. Chesty yeah. Puller, who was he? Chesty Puller, an absolute legend in the Marine Corps, a man who tried to enroll, uh, tried to leave home and lie about his age to join the Army at the age 16. He failed uh, later with his mother's permission. He joined the Marine Corps, served abroad on numerous uh, missions with the Marine Corps. Uh, then he was deployed to Guadalcanal in World War II. And with a small Marine unit, he held Henderson Field, Henderson Field, an airfield that was crucial to the Japanese. He was surrounded by Japanese forces with no reinforcements. And through his incredible leadership of those brave Marines, fought for three days to maintain that airfield. And that airfield, the maintenance of that airfield was crucial to our island hopping strategy in the Asia Pacific, and it turned the war around for America against Tojo's forces. So an absolute testament to leadership in battle. And that's why even today, if you go to Camp Lejeune, if you go to Quantico, when they're, when they're calling out those cadences for the Marines running around those bases, they still, they still call out those cadences to Chesty Puller. Red McDaniel. Wow, Red McDaniel. Uh, I had the honor of uh, meeting Eugene McDaniel. He's still alive. He was a naval aviator in Vietnam, uh, was just about to be sent home after completing almost 40 combat missions over Vietnam, but then he was shot down. And uh, he hid in the jungle, uh, evading his uh, enemy forces that were looking for him, but unfortunately was eventually captured. And this uh, naval aviator spent six and a half years in the Hanoi Hilton, a man who was tortured repeatedly, but who never lost faith in God, never lost faith in his country, an individual who helped to maintain the morale. He became a kind of minister, a kind of a, a, a faith leader to his fellow Americans in that prisoner of war camp, took the blame for those who had tried to escape from the camp and was repeatedly tortured on their behalf. Uh, but an amazing story. Finally, he was released after six and a half years, returned to service, returned to uniform, and was then given his own ship to, be, to command by the U.S. Navy, another great unsung hero from American history. You know, one of the things that, you know, going through your book, I had forgotten the cruelty of the North Vietnamese, yeah. you know, and their prisoners. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I've forgotten it, but I think we need to be reminded. Yeah, it's really quite, you know, it's perhaps the, the, the toughest chapter in, in, in the book to, to read, and it was a tough one to, to write. 
It's clear, and I read his autobiography, I met the man himself. These were people who didn't torture you for their job just because they were told to do so. These were people who clearly enjoyed what they were doing to their fellow man, who they considered not to be their fellow man. And and the the sport-like quality, there's, there's one passage in it where he recounts how when they were bored of, of torturing other humans, they would douse the rats that were in, that were running around the, the, the prison camp in a fuel oil and then set them alight and then laugh and get entertained as the rats run, ran around with their fur on fire until they died. So, yeah, man's inhumanity to man um, knew no bounds when it came to the Vietnam War. Now, our dog lovers might be upset with the North Vietnamese also. Yeah, they uh, they beat the, the dogs they ch- for, for sport. They beat the dogs. They chased them until they became so tired that they, they, they died from exhaustion. And why did they do that? Because they'd eat the dogs, and they thought or they believed that that's how you tenderize the meat. If the dog died from exhaustion that made the meat even better. So, yeah, it's a different world. Right. You know, and some people get criticized what they did at the CIA. Whitaker Chambers. Now, he's a little bit more controversial. I mean, the other guys are all heroes, and I think most of them would accept that. But, you know, even even into the, the 60s and 70s, a lot of people, and, and I know people saying out there, who is Whitaker Chambers? So maybe you can start with that. Yeah, there's a reason he's in the book. I believe he's a hero, although he never wore a uniform, never carried a badge or a gun. Um, and he's in there because he's really, he's Judge Kavanaugh before Judge Kavanaugh. So Whitaker Ch- Chambers, who wrote the incredible book Witness, was a hardcore communist. So much so that before the war, he was a covert agent of Moscow. He was the individual who smuggled the communications between the Kremlin and and the Soviet Union's covert assets inside the U.S. government. Uh, during World War II, he broke with Moscow. He was shocked after Stalin uh, made his non-aggression pact with Hitler. Uh, and fearing for his life, he went underground with his family. After the war, he found God he realized the error of his ways. He became a patriot. And he realized, I have lots of information about bad guys who are still very influential, either in government or in the policy elite in Washington or New York. I need to tell somebody. He tried to tell the FBI. They weren't interested. He tried to tell the Truman White House. They weren't interested. Eventually, he tells Congress and Congress, uh, especially uh, in the personage of a, a very young Richard Nixon, says, okay, tell us everything you know. And he participates in the first ever te- live te- uh, televised testimony of its kind in which he stands up and he says, I know who the communist subversives are, and they include people like Al Hiss. And this is where the controversy begins, because Al Hiss was a a champion, a darling of the Democrats, a champ, uh, you know, a, a favorite of of the Democrat Party in the left. And when he said, "Look, I've got the evidence on this man. I was the the courier when he was in the State Department uh, between him and the Kremlin." Alger Hiss denied it. He denied even meeting this man. 
until uh, until Whitaker Chambers provided the microfilm photographs of the documents that Alger Hiss, the government confidential documents Alger Hiss had given him uh, to smuggle out to the Soviets. Um, the the thing about the Chambers case is that the dirty tricks used against him were absolutely unspeakable. The Democrat Party, the left, accused him of being a homosexual, uh, an alcoholic. They accused him of being responsible for his brother's death, only to be vindicated. After, after he died, uh, there was the, uh, de- the declassification of the Venona decrypts of Soviet intelligence communications, which proved Al Jahis had, in fact, been a Soviet agent. So Whitaker Chambers was a man who was smeared, but who never surrendered, stood up for the truth, and uh, suffered a fate, uh, at least in terms of his uh, public uh, attacks, uh, very, very similar to Associate Justice Kavanaugh. And listen, thank you for bringing his name out again, because he has been forgotten, and the sacrifice was tremendous. Right. And what he did for this country, again, you're bringing it up, so thank you for bringing it up. Thank Obviously, we're, we're in wars right now. Do you have confidence in the Trump administration? Uh, I do, and I, I, I know it for a fact. I, I can tell you, I think it was the second month of the administration. I was in the White House, and we had a, a JSOC officer who was on detail to the NSC. That's, that's the, the top of the top when it comes to our special operations guys. And he recognized me, and he came up to me, and he just said, look, I, I'm here on detail, but my buddies who are in theater, you know, fighting the bad guys, fighting ISIS, fighting al-Qaeda, they... I need you to know how their morale has skyrocketed simply because they know that now they have a commander in chief who wants to win and who has their back. And if you look at just ISIS alone, Obama had told us, if you recall, that ISIS is a generational threat. We're just going to have to live with it. Really? Uh, oh, they were JV Donald first. Trump. JV, yes. exactly. And then they became a generational threat. We're just going to have to get used to well, it's, it, it seems as if Donald Trump has managed to condense a generation into a few months because we, with our armed forces, once Donald Trump unleashed them, we destroyed the caliphate of the Islamic State in less than five months. That's what having a will to win really is. And that's why I called my book Why We Fight. Okay, so the name of the book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. My pleasure. Anytime. God bless. Father Paul Bolecki, Capuchin friar and medical doctor, established a missionary hospital in Lebanon to provide medical care to Christian refugees. He also helps relocate them to safer areas. Connors & Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, is hosting a special fundraiser to help Father Paul and his team purchase supplies, treat their patients, and help them find safe havens. Basically, Father Paul is the last resort for these faithful Christians in the Middle East who've been forgotten by most of the world. Join us on Thursday, November 15th at the Bay Ridge Manor at 476 76th Street in Brooklyn. Meet Father Paul, who'll tell you what's really happening to Christians in the Middle East. Call Monica at 718-238-6500 to reserve your place at this important fundraising event as all of the proceeds will support Father Paul's compassionate mission. 718-238-6500. Again, that's 718-238-6500. 
How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is David Limbaugh, and, and he's got a new book out, Jesus is Risen, Paul and the Early Church. Welcome back to Connor's Corner, Mr. Limbaugh. Hey, thank you for having me. Okay. So, obviously, we know what the book is about, but what is it about? <laughs> well, it's the name of it is Jesus is Risen, Paul and the Early Church. What it's specifically about is the book of Acts in the New Testament following the Gospels, which is the history of the early church, and six of the Apostle Paul's 13 epistles, these letters that he wrote to the church. So I go through the biblical text, summarize it, rephrase it, um, and tell the story of the text, and then interweave commentary with it. It's the same approach I used with the last book I did on the Gospels. I just want to familiarize readers with the Bible itself and encourage them to uh, read it for themselves because I really I really get into the text and I try to help it's kind of like a, a series of Sunday school lessons in book form uh, for the lay reader and for the more advanced readers uh, the more advanced Christians too because I go into some depth and I hope it's accessible for everybody to read now for the casual reader who was the Apostle Paul who was who was he as a real man he was the most ardent persecutor of the early church. He was a Jew who was very learned in the law, the, the Mosaic law. He was a of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisaic Jew, very strict Jew, and very scholarly. And when the uh, when his Jewish colleagues first started converting to Christianity, it outraged him because he considered it blasphemy and heresy. So he went on a singular mission to persecute Christians and to round them up and take them to Jerusalem for punishment by the religious authorities. And that's what he was doing when he was on his way to, to Damascus in Syria, and on what they call the Damascus Road, and he was encountered by a blinding light, which was uh, Jesus Christ. And he was blinded for three days, and he was converted to Christianity and uh, transformed from the greatest persecutor of the church to its greatest evangelist. So it's a fascinating story, and, and you, you, it's told in Acts, along with the, the stories of the other apostles, how they spread the, the, the gospel over overwhelming opposition throughout the, the Roman Empire, throughout the Mediterranean. And uh, Paul then, after he established these churches uh, throughout the empire, 
he would get word back that they were doing well or they were deviating from the gospel message, whatever. So he would write them letters and, and tell them, give them instruction about Christian living, about not following false teachers and explaining what Christian doctrine was. And so we have those letters. They were written to the early churches, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so they are, they are actual Holy Scripture and have universal applicability to all of us today. So those letters he wrote to the local churches might as well have been written to our churches today. In fact, they were, in effect, even though he didn't know it. All right. Now, getting back to the road to Damascus, you know, a lot of cynics out there say, well, that's just a myth. You know, that really didn't happen. It doesn't happen in the real world. What would you say to them? It happened, and it happened before they were born. And Jesus Christ's intervention into human history was the turning point in human history. We even reorganized our calendars on the basis of his coming. And we have a lot of different uh, religions and adherents of these religions who have died for a sincere belief in what they thought their faith was, and nobody's questioning their sincerity. But the difference in those initial apostles who died for Christ is that they didn't develop some philosophy or theology from the ground up. They actually lived and worked with Christ when he was on earth and witnessed him die. And even after he was crucified, they were still cowards and skeptics. They, they denied him. As you know, Peter denied him three times. It wasn't until he was resurrected in the flesh, in his bodily form, three days later, and, and appeared with them over a period of 40 days. And they touched him. They ate and drank with him. They conversed with him. That they were transformed from skeptics to bold proclaimers of the gospel. It is inconceivable that these men would have died for something that they knew to be a lie. They had no incentive uh, to lie about it. They, they experienced extreme abuse, and 11 out of the 12 of them were martyred. Uh, there is no reason uh, conceivably that they would have done this. And so that is one of the great apologetics, uh, great defenses of the faith that people cite, as well as Paul's transformation. I mean, this, Paul, Paul was, as I said, was the least likely person to have been uh, to have been transformed to Christianity, and he became its premier evangelist. And that alone is furnishes proof that that Christianity is true. Saint Luke, who was Saint Luke, and what's his relationship to the Acts of the Apostles and Saint Paul? Luke was the um, he's one of the four gospel writers, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke. And by the way, in the in the preface to it, in the first four verses, I've always been taken by this because Luke says, and you can read this, how he did, painstakingly researched all these stories, and he gathered uh, all the eyewitness accounts because he wanted to put together an orderly account because it was so important that people rely on the truth of what he was saying. That's always impressed me, and I would, I would encourage your listeners to read chapters uh, Luke 1, verses 1 through 4, just the very first four verses of Luke. Then, then Luke also, I mean, he told, throughout the Gospel of Luke, of course, he tells of Christ's mission, uh, earthly ministry, and his death and resurrection and all. The book of Acts is part two of his story. He just continued, and uh, he tells the, the history of the early church, how, how Christ, when he was ascended, when he was getting ready to ascend, told the apostles to go wait in Jerusalem and for the Holy Spirit, who he was going to send to them and give them instructions to spread the gospel in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, spread it all. You've got to spread it throughout the world. 
And uh, so they went to Jerusalem and they waited. And then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and ignited their lives. And uh, they, they then were empowered by the Holy Spirit and started going out on missions to spread Christianity. And Luke became the main apostle to the Jews. And Paul was the main apostle to the Gentiles. And so the book of Acts features Luke in the early part, in the early chapters. And then Paul takes over after he's converted in chapter 9 and, and then chapter 12, 13 and on uh, through 28 or whatever it is. So he's, uh, it's, it's, it's not finally demarcated like that, but basically that's how the outline runs. The movie Paul that came out a few months ago, what's your opinion of it? Did you like it? I did not see it. Because I was so busy writing this book and, and and finishing editing it, and I've meant to go back and and watch it. In fact, I will watch. It. I've heard good things about it. Jim Caviezel was in it, right? Yes, yes, he was on the show right when the show when the movie came out. I, I love Jim. I love Jim Caviezel, and that he's boldly speaking out for Christ despite the fact that he's in the entertainment industry. He used to be applauded. Love to meet him sometime. So I'm I'm going to go now that you mentioned that. This reminds me because. You know, I'm on this book tour and all these interviews, and as that's winding down, I'll have more time to do that. So thanks for the reminder. What did you guys think of it? I, I thought it was an excellent film, and, and I think what it does, and one of the things the film accomplishes, it shows Paul and Luke as real people. They're afraid to die. You know, they're, they're not halos. Can, can, I, can I mention, I'm glad you mentioned that, because one of the things I, I emphasize in the book and in, in some of these interviews and even a column that I that I have written uh, that that's appearing about Paul, about why why God chose the Apostle Paul is the sheer authenticity and and uh, realness of Paul. He is a real human being. I didn't know the movie made that point. That's the point I've been making. When you read the Book of Acts and when you read these letters that Paul wrote to the churches, you can feel the anguish that he has when these churches deviate from the original gospel message. It's almost like he gave birth to these churches personally. And they're his own children, and he doesn't want to see them deviate from the gospel, and so he disciplines them. And then he compliments and praises them, and you can see his emotions on his sleeve. And like you say, he was not a he he was not deity himself, and he even in fact uh, a lot of times Peter and John, who are mentioned and who give speeches in Acts, they're featured in Acts as well. Uh, they when and, and Paul when some of the people around them witness their miracles that they do through the power of the Holy Spirit, they, they, these people try to worship them. And, and Paul and Peter and John, respectively, at different times, rebuke these people for idolizing them. We are not God. We are human beings. We're doing this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. We are mere human beings. And so I think your, your point is very well taken about their humanity and 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 authenticity. The name of the book, Jesus is Risen, Paul and the Early Church, the author, David Limbaugh. Good luck on your mission. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, Beth, what'd you think of uh, David Limbaugh? Because you weren't there for the interview. No, I wasn't. Um, He's genuine. Um, He obviously, he's filled with his faith and he just wants to share his faith. And sometimes uh, I don't think I don't think he's got a uh, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder like a lot of people seem to do. He doesn't um, he's not full of himself. He's not ego driven. 
he just sounds like a, a lovely man who believes believes in Christ and wants to share his faith. And as far as Sebastian Gorka is going, again, I appreciate because I remember how Whitaker Chambers was vilified. And, you know, of course, back then they could attack a guy saying he was a homosexual. That's the word, words of the time. And, of course, the same people today would be, you know, outraged if somebody ever made a reverse charge like that. But the poor guy, because he happened to be a, a witness, which was the name of his book, to communists, and he exposed them, he was he was just vilified as if he were the enemy. He was the 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 traitor. Well, that I think that's uh, there are so many people out there who don't care who they hurt because they just want to be the winner. They want their idea to be out there, and nobody else's. Um, the, these are the worst people. I mean, I hate communism. If you can go back to the beginning, whether it's Marxism, anarchist. Um, the, these people, it's not convincing people. They just go out and kill the people if they can. And in the United States, what happened with Justice Kavanaugh was unspeakable. David Kincaid, tell us we got to go home. Oh, no. Bye-bye, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.